Welcome to the Weekend Booktopian, our podcast where a few Booktopians get together to chat book news and the books that we are reading and enjoying. I'm Nick Wasiliev and I am joined again over the airwaves uh, once again by fellow Booktopian host, uh, Olivia Frika, our senior content producer and editor of the blog. Hey, Liv. Hi, Nick. Hannah Armstrong, our assistant fiction category manager. Hello, Hannah. Hello, how are you? Very good, thank you very much. And back again by ever-increasingly popular demand, every time we have her on, our numbers go through the roof, Danny V, the host of Words and Nerds. Danny, welcome back. Hello, no pressure at all. I love, love, love hanging out with you guys, and so it just makes my lockdown a little bit happy. So thank you. Oh, shucks. Well, we absolutely love having you, and uh, especially right now, we are into week nine or ten of lockdown. We've lost count at this point. But we're going to kick off with a, with a great little uh, part that Liv brought back last week from our previous show. And we, I'm going to throw a question off. I'll throw it to you first, Danny, as our guest. Um, about we, We're thinking, talking about things that bring us joy at the Ooh, moment. What has okay. been bringing you joy in the last few weeks? Well, besides this podcast and being here right here with you guys, that's number one. Um, look how much of a suck I am. No, it's true. I love hanging out with you guys. Um, secondly, Always chocolate. I try not to have too much, but being in lockdown week a million, don't care. No more limits. No more limits on chocolate. It's over. It's over till at least October. Um, I found a new tea, guys. It's called Buddha's Tears, and it is amazing. If you haven't tried it, can I just take a little moment here? They're little balls, right? They're little tiny little balls, and you put them in the little tea thing that you put. Uh, what do you call it? The strainer thing? Yes, I'm strainer. Yeah. Technical. Put it in your teacup and they then unfurl into these beautiful flowers and it's the best tea you'll ever drink in your life, people. So Buddha's Tears, get on that. Not a sponsorship. I just love it. Right? No one sponsors <laughs> me with anything. So it's no weed stuff going on here. Um, really enjoying writing a couple of picture books and really enjoying my podcast. I did like 11 back-to-back episodes for uh, Sutherland Shire Film, uh, Sutherland Shire Writers' Festival on Saturday. And that was amazing because I almost felt like I was at a writers' festival because I just did 11 back-to-back interviews. And making myself get out in the sun, people, because I have a day job, which sometimes I forget to see the daylight for a couple of days and I feel like a vampire. So getting out into the sun. So those are the things that are bringing me joy, people. Small still so much, there's small still things. so much that can bring us joy, even now. Even now. Absolutely. Liv, what have you, what, is, what have, has been bringing you joy? Oh, many things. Um, I'm lucky enough to live in a very beautiful part of the world at the moment. Um, so on the weekends, uh, I've started going on like nature walks um, with my boyfriend. Sometimes we take his dog. His dog's a bit of a demon outside of the house. So we, it depends on the vibe of the day. Um, but there are just some really gorgeous like walks around where I live. Um, I'm in the bushy end of the Shire. It's gorgeous. The weather's been mostly nice the last few days. So that's been really nice. Also really enjoying the Nutella stuffed cookies that my boyfriend's mum made. Mm-hmm. I had one earlier. I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. Even like not heated up because I didn't have time in between meetings to go and heat it up. And I was like, how does this still taste good at room temperature? I don't know. But yeah. Nature and cookies. Those are bringing me joy this week. I love that there's like a chocolate vibe that is coming out of both of your both of your responses. Obviously. Have you met me? Yes, there's that's not true. a chocolate vibe coming from you, Nick. I'm not sure if we can be friends. So <laughs> Look, to put it simply, we, we do have jars of Nutella at our at our place, but they don't last very long because usually whenever I, I go to get some Nutella, I discover it's half gone because my partner has been just eating it with a spoon straight out of the jar. 
and I do not blame her one bit at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hannah, what's been bringing you joy? Um, I agree about the like silly little lockdown walks that I've been doing every day. Um, It's been beautiful weather, not counting Monday and Tuesday of this week. So that's been really good. But the major thing that has been bringing me joy at the moment has been watching the most recent season of Love Island (laughs) with... (laughs) One of my really good friends, we sit down and watch it at the same time and like um, just text each other back and forth throughout the whole episode. So that's been really good. Unfortunately, it was the finale two nights ago. So now I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to find something else to fill the void. It's fine. Yes. Yes. Those are the two, two major things, just reality TV and walks in the sun. Love it. Mm. Yeah, it's always annoying when you run out of stuff to watch. Uh, we've recently, we've been absolutely overjoyed that the Paralympics have started because we were very, very much hooked on the mm-hmm. Olympics when they were happening because it just gave us two weeks of content of stuff to watch yeah. every night, which was which was great. And because especially considering how well the athletes have been doing, it's actually been really, yeah, really nice. My school is actually competing in long, I think, athletics or long jump or something. Wow. Really? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, well, awesome. Love keep that. an eye out for you. When the, when the athletics start. Yeah, I love watching those those athletes. They're absolutely amazing. But yeah, um, there's something you guys can watch as well. Yeah, get onto the Paralympics because it is honestly amazing. Oh, yeah. So now we will dive, turn our attention to the world of books. Um, and we'll start with, of course, talking about book news as with all episodes. And then we'll be discussing the books that we are reading and enjoying. And then be sure to stick around to the end when my guests go head-to-head in a battle for book supremacy that we always call book fight. But this week, we have the three strongest competitors um, amongst... I hate it when uh, you say that. I'm so hit and miss. I hate it when you say uh, that. I also you don't think that's that. true. You say that, but you, are, you have got a, 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 like a positive success winning ratio. I've only won it once or twice. Olivia cleans up in most, in most episodes. Olivia's and, king. And Hannah has, every, has increasingly been getting better and better and better and better in every single episode that she's been in. Well, the last so, episode, I did the worst I've ever done. <laughs> so... <laughs> Maybe I'm actually on a downhill slope. Mm. And also, yeah. Nick, you greatly underestimate the fact that I really want Hannah to think I'm cool. So I may just... <laughs> oh, I do. So Liv, you, are, you, are, you are the coolest amongst us all. You don't Let's need to try. I'm a, I'm a grandma. I'm a grandma. Before <laughs> my time. You're the, you're the cool you're the cool grandma. You're like the grandma out of um thoroughly modern Millie, who just everyone just thinks is absolutely amazing. <laughs> but anyway, I have a crochet project next to me. Okay, oh, <laughs> love it, love it. Okay. Uh, but without without further ado, we will dive into the world of book news first. And the big first bit of news is um, that we have the 2021 Ned Kelly Awards, which were announced last night. Uh, the wit sorry, the winners were rather announced last night. Uh, which is, this is administered by the Australian Crime Writers Association and is proudly sponsored by us, Booktopia. Um, and it's one of the highest honours in Australia for crime writers, um, with our very own Sarah McDooling also presenting an award last night. Danny, you are a, the our, a massive crime devourer, to put it mildly. Um, did you catch the winners of these awards? Oh, I did. And I just love this. And I'm one of those people that just love all the books on the list. So whoever wins, I'm super excited. I'm like, yes, that should have won. But, you know, I just love them all. 
I'm really excited about uh, Gary Disher, Constellation. I know there's been a lot of excitement on social media about Constellation, and I just think this is such an impressive crime fiction with such depth, talking about important issues and, you know, really great outbook, um, outbook, <laughs> I've forgotten my words, Outback Noir. <laughs> I'm sorry, lockdown is really getting to me. I've forgotten what words are, <laughs> um, which is important for a podcast. I'll, I'll try harder. So I think um, Gary Disher Constellation, that is top notch. Have you, any of you guys got your teeth into this? Thoughts? Replies? No. Unfortunately, no, I haven't. I always will. mean to, though. Will, and I say and that about crime fiction. It's like one of my least favorite genres, mm, but like will. I really should. Yeah, I'm a big Gary Disher fan, though, aren't you, um, Liv? I thought you were a big Gary Disher I fan. I love him as a person. And like, <laughs> just, like, he's been on the blog a couple of times and like, he always gives such interesting answers and every time you hear him interviewed, like um, we've podcasted with him a couple of times mm-hmm. and he's just, he reads so much and is so like hell bent on improving his craft all the time. And it really shows from what I know, but yeah, I don't yeah. read n- anywhere near enough crime. Fiction, so but that's true. I think Gary's um, high on me. Yeah. And I think that's true with Gary Disher, the way he reflects on process. Like I feel that when I read it, you know, and I'm one of those people who think I can, you know, feel the feelings on the page um but you really feel that process that heart and soul with his books i yeah highly recommend love that one um the other one is stalking claremont by uh brett christian um now this has a surprising twist which won't give away uh, about serial murders it's quite terrifying actually so you know i dig this um and, and that was the true crime now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So inside the hunt for a serial killer. So that's a really cool one um, set in Perth. So I, I quite liked that one as well. But, you know, there's not a, show me a crime fiction I don't like, people. <laughs> the second one I was super interested in, and this is a best debut crime fiction, uh, The Second Son by Lorraine Peck. Now, I've seen this everywhere. And this is another one from Text Publishing, which is cool, because Gary Disher was from Text Publishing as well. You're on a roll. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Second Son, I, I feel like it's gotten a lot of um, a lot of love on socials as well. Um, I like the description that I've read about the book about violence having its own language. Isn't that cool? Yeah, in the book, the violence has its own language. And I can't tell you where I read it, but I just really, it stuck with me when I, I thought about this book. It's action-packed. It's such a great debut. Don't you reckon the debut crime fiction novels particularly are just so confident these days and I don't know what it is, yeah. but they're just so good. Like they don't feel like debuts, I reckon. Um, so anyway, I reckon The Second Son is a really great read. Love the cover too, just as a side note. Um, and I like, it's kind of like love breaks all the rules. And I think um, we've got a side note here, but it's true, right? It's true. <laughs> when you've got love and violence together, Really bad things are likely to happen. Make, makes great crime, makes great <laughs> crime fiction. Great crime fodder. We all know what happens. I was them. really, um, I really love, so Lorraine Peck is the um, person who wrote uh, The Second Son. And I loved like listening to her kind of like acceptance speech. She was talking about how she was going through like chemotherapy and fighting cancer oh, at the time when she was wow. finishing the manuscript. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was I like it was it made me really emotional when I was watching it. I just think she's so it was such a well deserved win. Yes, and you know, and then what? she took a shot at the end of the speech. It was great. Oh, Did she? What an icon! <laughs> she's an icon. I know. Yes, but that kind of um, like that vulnerability and honesty. Like I feel like that comes through on the page, you know, and almost yeah. that kind of you know trauma as well. Like I feel like how can that not come on off the page? You know, when you're reading someone who's been through something 
as you know, challenging as that? How can that not be in those words? I, f- I feel that when I was reading it. Was I'm feeling a lot of things in lockdown, guys. <laughs> It's always, it's always funny how like the, the funnest and most lovely people, uh, and I'm not making a stereotype here, but like every single thriller or crime or like horror writer, uh, when you meet them in person, the loveliest, sweetest, oh, nicest right? people. And you wonder so true. how on earth such a horrifying story ever <sighs> came I... out of someone so who would be so lovely and approachable. Did but I that's why about my, did I tell you about my Paul Cleave crush? <laughs> <laughs> No, did I say go on? Did I say crush? I didn't say crush. (laughs) (laughs) I meant to say admiration as a writer. Um, Anyway, see what I mean. But yeah, same thing. Like his books are just like amazing, shocking, fantastic. And then you meet him. He's the funniest human on earth. We did this podcast where we literally laughed for two minutes straight. I had to cut it out because I did not think anyone was going to appreciate that except for me. But he's so funny. So yeah, totally. Um, I should carry on with what I'm actually meant to be talking about. Uh, we begin at the end, Chris Whitaker, uh, thriller tearjerker. Like, great. And it's a really different sort of book as well. Um, it's actually got the must-read crime novel of the year, which is quite a big a big call, really, don't you think? Has anyone read this one? No, unfortunately not no. either. I'm, I'm really behind on all my... Um, I, I think I'm only just starting to get into crime. So I've only just uh-huh. read um, Christian White's second book. Oh, yes. I'm like, I'm, I'm like a couple White. of years behind. How good is Christian White though, right? Incredible. That was like an amazing book. So now I'm going to go back and read his first one. We're working in reverse, yeah, but That's we're going to get there eventually. <laughs> yeah, I love Christian White. He's also a really cool, cool guy as well. Um, you know, when he talks about his writing and process. But uh, yeah, we begin at the end. I just feel like these four books that were on there, they were just such great choices because they just gave you something a little bit different um, in the sort of the crime genre. And I read a lot of crime, but I felt like this one particularly just was a little bit unique and a little bit different. And, um, you know, when you read so much, you really notice that when you, when you see a book, you really notice something that's a little bit different, a little bit unique when you're reading kind of, you know, heaps of books a year. So I hope that was okay, but I, I love the Ned Kelly Awards, so that was really cool to see um, who came out on top. Super excited, Gary Disha, though. That's got to be my favourite. Mm, yeah, agreed. So for all of our, our listeners, uh, I'll include a link to the winners of the Ned Kelly Awards down in the description box, so you can go and check out these amazing books for yourself. Um, moving on to the another awards that was just announced um, which was the WA Premiers Awards, uh, which have also just been unveiled. Um, Liv, I'm going to throw to you for this one. What can you tell us about the uh, this recent WA Premier Awards? So many things. Um, so the Western Australian Premiers Book Award, uh, kind of like the, like they're the equivalent of like the New South Wales Premiers Literary Awards. I think most states do them. Um, and these were the winners for 2020, so the year just gone. Um, interesting thing about this award is it's, three out of four of the categories that they offer are only open to authors from WA, um, which is really cool. And then they have the Daisy Utamora Award um, for First Nations writers from all states and territories. Um, but the 2020 winners this year, so the Premier's Prize for an Emerging Writer, which is worth $15,000, went to Rebecca Giggs for Fathoms, The World in the Whale. You might remember this book was long listed for the Stella Prize earlier this year. So congratulations to Rebecca. Um, the Premier's Prize for Writing for Children, also worth $15,000, went to Meg McKinley and Matt Otley uh, for their picture book, How to Make a Bird. And that also just won the CWCA, CW, CBCA um, Children's Book Council Awards Book of the Year for Picture Books as well. 
Um, so that is an amazing round of awards for that book. Um, and the Daisy Udamora Award, also worth $15,000, went to Duran by Carl Merrison and Hakia Hustler. And this is for unpublished Indigenous junior and YA writing, which is really cool. And then finally, the Western Australian Writers Fellowship, which is worth $60,000, went to the author Sisonke Umsamang for the proposal of a novel which traces the stories of three African and Indian heritage families who settle in Perth in the 70s. So it's kind of an exploration of multiculturalism and that kind of thing. So yeah, I really love cool her. Ones. That's so cool. Yeah, she seems really cool. I was looking her yeah. up earlier. I'm like, God damn, so talented. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Um, I actually was very lucky enough to um, have t had t uh, like been mentored by Rebecca when she was uh, a, a, a at Macquarie University. Um, so to see her continue to go from from strength to strength um, off the back of uh, off the back of that with her with the word, with fathoms the word in the whale is just so awesome um, because she was someone so committed to the craft of writing and trying to make you a better writer um, and definitely one of the best you know professors that I was lucky enough to have and to see her doing so well is absolutely amazing and continue to have that success um thank you so much Liv um and for all of our listeners as well we will include that list to the WA Premier Literary Awards uh, in the description as well and then uh, on a final note covering our new section uh writers Patricia Arcilla and Joyce Chu are the two recipients of the Sydney Opera House's inaugural ment mentorship for diverse emerging writers, which has been recently presented in partnership with Sweatshop. Um, Chu and Arcilla will receive $1,000 um, and they will also be getting a affiliated mentorship with Winnie Dunn and Declan Fry. So for context, all applicants were required to submit an idea for a writing project inspired uh, by the themes of this year's Anecdote Festival. Um, so Chu will be writing a fictocritical piece uh, inspired by the myth of the Fair Go panel, while Arcilla will be writing an essay inspired by the hashtag Stop Asian Hate panel discussion. Um, this mentor program, um, program, which will run annually um, in, co in consultation with the Sydney Opera House, uh, was originally announced in July. So congratulations to Patricia and Joyce for being the first inaugural recipients of that mentorship. So now we're going to move on to the books that we have been reading and enjoying. And I'm going to throw first to my co-host of the weekend, Booktopian, Olivia. What? what? Have you been enjoying? <laughs> oh, God. I feel like I always forget like the last time I was on the show as a guest because I'm like just so constantly in host mode that I always panic and I'm like oh my god what books am I going to talk about so I have four to talk about two that I'm going to like do a little shout out to because they were great but I want to go in depth with the other two so the ones that I'm going to give shout outs to um, first up is Sadie by Courtney Summers uh, a YA novel that I read over the weekend in basically one sitting um, this book broke my heart. I knew it would break my heart. I went in well prepared and still. Um, it's a book that tackles our cultural obsession with dead girls and murders and true crime in a really ingenious format. So the titular character Sadie is a teenage girl hunting down the man who murdered her little sister, um, while at the same time a podcast host is trying to track her down and find out what happened to her. Just really heart-wrenching but brilliantly written read like Courtney Summers is such a strong writer she's become one of my must-read authors um, so if you are at all interested in true in true crime or like the ethical kind of moral implications of it I think this is a great book to read it's YA but it doesn't read like I think it's got a wider appeal than like just younger readers um, fantastic book thank you Courtney 
Um, and I also want to give a shout out to Drop There by Evelyn Araluen. Um, it's the debut co poetry collection from Evelyn. She's a Koori poet who writes about her experiences as an Indigenous uh, woman um, across a multitude of different environments. So she talks about the natural world amidst ecological disaster, like during the time that she was writing it, a lot of the eastern coast of Australia was under threat from bushfires, which was a really horrible time. And there are just some standout lines from certain poems in this collection that still stick with me. Um, but also she kind of takes her pen to the cultural world of literary Sydney and I guess a little bit of Australian kitsch. Like, I don't think I'll be able to think about May Gibbs and the snuggle pot and cuddle pie quite the same way. Um, now that, not in like necessarily bad, terrible way, but like she examines them under the, that lens of, you know, mm -hmm. an indigenous love and appreciation for the land and kind of how it's been turned into a little cultural product by um, non-Indigenous authors. Um, so yeah, loved that collection, that was great. Um, but I'm really excited now to talk about what I think is gonna be one of my favorite books of the year. It is my first five-star read in a little while. And this one is Matrix by Lauren Groff. Now, I like gasped and freaked out when a copy of this book arrived in the office. I love Lauren Groff. Um, she's one of those authors who I think can write really kind of verbose, playful, not quite purple, but just very like florid prose. She's one of the very few authors who can do that well and very purposefully. Um, she wrote a novel called Fates and Furies, which I really love. It's kind of like a literary gone girl, but without the murder element. <laughs> Um, but this book, Matrix, is set in the 12th century um, when it follows a 17-year-old girl named Marie. So Marie is a bastardess half-sibling of the crown and she's descended from female warriors and crusaders and she's a bit too tall, awkward and wild for court life. Um, so she's essentially banished away by the Queen Eleanor to become the abbess of an impoverished uh, English abbey. Um, and it's the story of how she comes to recognize and gather immense power for herself and for the Abbey, but also the things that she has to do to maintain it. This is, it's only very short, like it's maybe 250 pages, but oh my God, it packs a wallop. It's just an intensely um, like sensual exploration of this woman's life. Like it follows her entire life and the things that she does. And it's incredible. I describe it kind of as Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell meets Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel because it's kind of got those like beautiful emotive description descriptive elements of the story but also a lot of like very underhanded like political maneuvering in terms of the things that Marie has to do to keep the abbey safe um, and also get the surrounding townspeople on board with what she's doing um, because <laughs> turns out that being an uh, being a nun and being an abbess doesn't actually make you safe, uh, especially if your abbey starts doing a bit too well and being a bit too prosperous. Um, but what I also loved about this book is it's a really beautiful exploration of queer sensuality, desire and love um, because the main character, Marie de France, uh, she's very queer. She um, is, has been in love with the queen who banished her for basically her whole life. Um, she's had friends and companions and it's just, her coming into her own, I guess, sexual power as well. Um, 
amidst this abbey which houses a lot of other women who are not necessarily um, heterosexual. Um, it's, I just, I don't, I don't even think I'm doing this book justice. I loved this book. I love Lauren Groff. I'll read anything she writes. I'm, I'm like very tempted to order her short story collection. I don't read a lot of short stories, but I would read anything she wrote. Um, yeah, if you're a fan of Wolf Hall, Hamnet, any of those kind of like historical novels, uh, Matrix is a must read. I'm sold. And you're sold? Yeah, you've completely sold me. I'm into it. Let's do it. Shanu read it as well and she was just like, oh my God. That sounds like, fantastic. It is, yeah, it's a fantastic book. I am, <laughs> it is rendering me speechless right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I will move on to this, the final book that I want to talk about. And it's one that Hannah has actually been begging me to read. And I finally picked it up uh, a few weeks ago. And that is Love and Virtue by Diana Reed. Yay. Yay. Go yeah. on, what were your thoughts? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just briefly touch on the plot. I know we've talked about it a couple of times, but it's set in that in a prestigious college within a university in Sydney. That's definitely not the University of Sydney, even though it kind of is. Um, <laughs> but we follow a young woman named Michaela through her first year of uni life, um, where she becomes quite close friends with another girl called Eve. Eve Herbert Shaw, what, what a piece of work. <laughs> um, but we find out at the beginning of this book that Eve and Michaela are no longer friends. Michaela actually hates Eve now, the passion. And so the novel traces the arc of their friendship and how one sexual misadventure that happens in O-Week becomes the catalyst for betrayal and hurt between them. Um, so this book, it has a lot of hype around it. Diana's a debut, um, debut novelist. Um, and for the most part, I think it it avoids the traps of the debut novel. Um, I, could, I found very few faults with it. Um, and I kept thinking about it after it was done. Um, it tackles the issue of misogynistic campus culture that's so prevalent in Australia and basically everywhere, um, but especially amongst those really like prestigious colleges and the privileged students there and the awful kind of culture that they have um, with regards to women and sex. Um, and it tackles that and it does that really well. Um, but I think, I don't know if it's just a fatigue with stories about that, given like the news cycle that we've had earlier on this year. Um, what I actually found the most interesting thing about Love and Virtue is its exploration of female friendship and how academia actually heightens the tensions that can exist in these friendships. So like how, you know, literally being academic competitors heightens your, that sense of competitiveness and comparisonitis I guess um, that a lot of female friendships do have like Michaela and Eva constantly like discussing their marks um, but there's also just a weird undercurrent to their friendship of like it's kind of heightened by privilege and just this weird sexual energy as well um oh like they're I, I've I'm kind of speechless at the moment but like Eve I swear I've known a few Eves in my life or I've seen them wandering around various university campuses. She is a brilliantly drawn character and I'm very glad she's not the protagonist of the novel because Michaela is an excellent vehicle through this world because she's kind of an outsider of Sydney, she's from Canberra and she's not, you know, doesn't know all of these people who already know each other from their various grammar schools that they've attended. Um, but yeah, Eve is, I don't want to say too much, but she is just brilliantly drawn. Diana reads an excellent job. So yeah, 
those are what I have been loving, reading and loving lately. I get a sense as well from the, from the reaction of both Hannah and Danny that you have both also read this book. Um, I, I mean, obviously, of course, Hannah did because you mentioned it in the last time you were on, but Danny, have you had the chance to check this I book? I haven't, out? but it sounds amazing. And I, I whenever Liv <laughs> does her books, I'm just <laughs> jotting down to read that. Like she does that to me all the time. When she says something about a book, I'm like, oh, that one, because she describes them so well. And I think when you talk about a, Liv, a book, Liv, you talk about it with so much sort of, love <laughs> and i'm like oh, oh yes you do you just make me want to read have stuff way, way better notes written down and so <laughs> this time i was like i've been in meetings all day i kind of didn't have the time yeah. to do the prep speak work. it from the soul live <laughs> oh, sometimes you just have to but yeah it's still thinking about like both of those last two mm, books i like love that and when you're still thinking about a book after you put it down that's when you know it's special mm. that's mm. the sign yeah absolutely Geez, I, I, I kind of, it sounds like it's been an intense time in your reading world, Liv. You've been hit with like back-to-back -back books that are just hitting you after the, quite hard after the fact as well. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's been other books in between, but like if I sat here and talked about every single book that I ever read, this podcast would go for like two hours. And that's not a brag, I swear. I, I realised how... Let's do that. that. <laughs> <laughs> let's just do, let's just do an eight-hour live stream of Booktopia yeah. podcast. That'd be cool. What else are we going to do? We're in lockdown. Oh, I actually think that would be really funny. I would still do that. I'm in. Come in. Um, well, thank you so much, Liv. I mean, I, 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 if only we could, we would start doing that, but hold the phone. I'll keep it. I'll keep it. I'll make a note to turn it into a live stream, but now <laughs> I'm going to, president, it's my job to read. I'm not just one of those blankets that think they're better because <laughs> they read a lot. Just my job. That, that's me, Liv. <laughs> love it. I'm one of those blankets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daddy, I'm going to throw to you now and I, my body is ready. My body is ready oh, for the list you? of 10 to 12 books that you always throw. Come no, on. not it's eight. It's eight. <laughs> Every week it's eight. No, but can it's I, just but like, bang, 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 bang. But, but I think I've just been given permission to do 12. So <laughs> <laughs> I still uh, love, I still love the first time ever it came on. Danny, can you please um, talk about two books? No, but I can talk about eight. <laughs> <laughs> So I have eight. Eight's my lucky number for, for this podcast, but you know, I do it fast. So let's do this. Are you ready? Take a breath, people. Brace yourself. The others, Mark Brandy loved this book. It is haunting. I think it's one of, it's his best book yet. Um, I hate to talk about people's children like that, but I do really love this one. I loved how he talked about his writing process as well. He was just so honest and vulnerable about it. And I just love when people can really unpack that because I said to him, we just see all of your success. You know, these three brilliant books that have won awards that are tightly structured, that are different and amazing. You know, do you have any failures? And he was very happy to go, well, yeah, actually. <laughs> So it's really nice to see that um, process behind those perfect books. I really, that's my favourite thing. Um, Father-son relationship is from a child's perspective. And he said that was really, really difficult to write. And um, I can see why. So, and there's some diary entries in there, but it's about control. It's about knowing a world that only an adult tells you about. And then when you get to a certain age, you're trying to figure out, um, you know, what the truth is. I'm just going to apologize for all the noise in my house. I'm in lockdown. So I'm with like a thousand people. It sounds like a thousand elephants. Really, it's just two children and they just can't be quiet. So I'm sorry. I'm just going to talk over them. Um, the second one is The Housemate by Sarah Bailey. How much do I love Sarah Bailey? A lot. Um, she's my, really, Sarah. 
Oh, I love Sarah so much. Um, just spoke to her the other day and I have to like try not to gush over her, but it's really hard. Um, <laughs> so I, and I spoke to her and I loved, you know, Gemma Woodstock. I just thought she was one of those amazingly complex female characters that we don't see a lot. You know, of course there are complex female characters, but ones that go against type. And particularly with Gemma, it was, you know, she wasn't the mother of the year. And not a lot of people explore that because everyone thinks, oh, you're a woman, you must be this fantastic mother. So I really like the way she explores character. And in this book, she doesn't disappoint with um, Olive Groves, this amazingly layered, complex female character that again, you know, I don't want to say goes against type, but just digs really deep into who a person is who happens to be female. But I really like the way she does that. And when I asked her about characters, she said that she just really liked complicated and complex people. And I thought that that really, really hits the page when she talks about that. It's a cold case. Um, we try and find out what happens between three housemates. And what really blows my mind about Sarah's work is that she um, she writes in such a complicated way and has all these amazing threads but her process as she told me and had you know he's quite open with this on twitter is very chaotic and very wild and it's very everywhere and she has to bring it all together and amazes me how you can get to that end product of having these incredible threads these incredible complexities and have a process like that it works for her and she should never change it but i, I love that that mess to the the complexity and i think that's real um a real credit to her writing and it's a real credit to her writing too that i'm still talking about Gemma woodstock you know still after all these years about how much of a great character she was it's a great it's it's a great book yeah it's a, that she that she's in, that she's involved in so, yeah, uh, we, we were chatting about sarah before because she was on the podcast um earlier this week and uh, and she talked about how, because the housemates are standalone, it's its yep. own thing, and how much she kind of got locked into that mindset of writing from Gemma's perspective. And yeah. she likes to make, to put to put herself in tricky situations when, when writing these new characters, which I thought was connected on so many levels. Yeah, and it was and how much fun she had with it. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Uh, number three, uh, The Monster of Her Age, Danielle Binks. I really liked this because it really got me thinking, oh, Nick's holding his heart. I think that's a good sign. Yes, it is. We love Danielle Binks. <laughs> <laughs> I just really love, like, I'm a massive horror buff from the 80s and 90s. You know, Freddy Krueger, just give it to me all. Um, but really interesting how we talked about feminism in the horror genre and, you know, the, the heroines in those particular films and how, you know, they sort of held their own. And so we had these great conversation about you know um how horror genres can surprisingly i guess you know if you haven't thought about it before is quite feminist literature so that was a really cool path that we went down but it's about a story you know looking back uh grandmother being a famous actress in this horror genre the granddaughter's trauma of being in one of the films and um, then we just went on this great tangent of horror films so we're actually we planned this amazing writer's retreat in a castle <laughs> with candles and horror stories so if you guys are open to that if we ever get out of lockdown i think it could really work uh number four just skating through these ones now because i you know have a lot uh sa cosby oh my goodness razor blade tears this man if we were talking about unique writers incredible voices unique and original and strong this guy you know if you think you've read everything there is to read you need to pick up S.A. Cosby. This is his second novel. And Razorblade Tears is just amazing. Um, original voice, original storyline. He's not afraid to go there. In his last book, I don't even care about cars at all. He made car 
car chase is sexy. Like, unless you're driving a food truck, I'm not interested, right? But this guy was like, oh, my God, how do you make a car chase sexy? Like, he's amazing. But besides that, like, deeply, deeply emotive, he gets right into these characters and he takes you on these wild sort of amazing ride of, like, thriller and then he just gets you in the feels, you know? So he does this amazing thing where he gets this action-packed and then he breaks your heart. So if you haven't read S.A. Cosby, and last time we were doing this um, Four Continents, Four Critics about crime all over the world, <laughs> we were talking so, all of us were talking so passionately about S.A. Cosby that in the comments I was like, I'm, on, I'm, I'm going to buy it online right now. <laughs> so, you know, I wonder if he got a surge of sales <laughs> during that live stream. But incredible writer. I think he could write, um, you know, the ingredients on a muesli bar packet it would break you so amazing i'm gonna go back in time here i did talk about paul cleave and so i went through his back catalog and think well now i just have to read everything every word paul's ever written in his life so that's my now life's aim so i went back to the cleaner now i'll tell you why i went back to the cleaner because jack heath has his great story where he was on a plane he read the book he vomited and fainted because of a scene in this book so obviously i had to get the book right bought it from booktopia funnily enough um, oh, stop. Stop it. Oh, Thank shucks. you. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so I was really keen to pick this up and I said, Jack, Jack, where's that scene where you vomited and threw up? He's like, you'll know. I don't need to tell you, you'll know. But I'm not going to talk about the scene. I'm just going to talk about, honestly, I'm not even exaggerating, the best first chapter of a book you'll ever read. This is not a new book, but you should still read it. I was reading this chapter and I thought, it seems normal enough, right? I'm not going to give it away, but he leads you down this path and I can't even work it out. And Jack and I spoke about this at length, how he's such an incredible writer that he leads you down this path that everything seems very normal, but you know something's a bit off, but you can't put your finger on it. And then the first chapter just has this incredible twist. You know, so if you want to just go back into the archives, the cleaner is incredible and um, it just, he leads you with this discomfort. And his protagonist is awful <laughs> he's an awful human being and yet you want to read about his story and you almost you like him you feel terrible about liking him but he's just very clever at what he does so if you want to go back in time a little bit go there best first chapter you'll ever read in your lives and i will back that up i love exaggerating but i reckon that that is true um i'm just gonna hit you with three kids books now because i do like to read across lots of things. Um, Wednesday Weeks, Christy Byrne and Dennis Knight. I just love this series. I think it's action packed. I love how they've combined science and magic. My favorite thing was learning they're actually pink worms. Cause I said, oh, how did you make up pink worms? Cause I'm not that educated obviously. And she's like, well, they're real. I'm like, oh my God, what? Why slugs, they're slugs, pink slugs. Why are my slugs in my front yard all brown and ugly? So that was a revelation for me. Um, wonderful female characters. And I just loved the collaboration between the two because they actually start by going chapter by chapter. And what they love to do, and I love this so much, is they write each other into a corner for the, for the next chapter that they have to follow on. And so that's why the book is so fast paced and so, um, so incredibly entertaining because they sort of write each other into these sticky situations and then the next person has to get 
them out of it, obviously. So I think that's so cool. But then when they edit it, they edit each other's work and it all becomes, you know, blended into one. So although it starts chapter by chapter, it really is this amazing collaboration. And I'm fascinated by collaborations in terms of writing. I think that's a real skill and a talent and they just do it seamlessly. So Wednesday weeks, fantastic. Um, picture book, Who Fed Zed by Amelia McInerney. This book, I just love so much for a couple of reasons. It's in mono rhyme, right? Mono rhyme, which means every line rhymes with the same word. So Z, fed Z. So every single line rhymes with that. Like how difficult is that, right? Hugely. Mm -hmm. And as well as that, you can read it in two ways. That's what I really like about picture books. You can write it as just, read it as this really just fun story about who fed this fish the wrong thing. But then it also, in a deeper layer, you know, I have analogies that's a bit close to my heart about how important it is to read labels and that, you know, sometimes you shouldn't be feeding your fish this weird thing that they did because it can make them sick. So it, really, it was really cool how it can be really, really fun, but then you can flip it over and you can read it in a bit of a serious way too. So that's cool. And the last one um, I want to talk about is Zoo Crew by Guy Edmondson and Matt Zemeris. Um, they're Emmy winners. That was pretty cool speaking to Emmy winners and they were just really funny and really weird and really cool. Um, but they talked about Zoo Crew and how they've got these amazing characters and how they collaborate and their collaboration is amazing too. And I think that's why I wanted to talk about them because they've written, um, you know, the series on ABC me called hardball and they've been collaborating for 20 years in film, in acting, in, in writing. And so they just have this seamless collaboration where they, they say that they almost have this kind of two brains coming together to make one. So when you read Zoo Crew, such a fun read. Kids will love it. And that is my eight. Yay. I was not disappointed. Once again, <laughs> knock it out so of the park. So much pressure though, Nick. So much pressure. One not, day I'm going to let you down. You deliver every time. Every time. Without <laughs> fail. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Danny. Amazing recommendations. Well, I was, I'm so jealous that you got to chat a bit more with with mark brandy and danielle as well like their books have been we've been hearing so much stuff about their books and yeah, so fantastic um yeah it's great to hear that 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 uh, you've also been enjoying them as well yeah absolutely. lastly i will now throw to hannah hannah what have you been enjoying over the last couple of weeks um I don't want to sound dramatic, but how am I supposed to follow that up? Yeah, that, that happens to all of us. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, I'm really enjoying this, but also, oh no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. I want to preface this by saying that um, my lockdown loopiness is kind of like out in full force at the moment. So if this is a little bit incoherent, that is why. And Hannah, you didn't get your cookies that you wanted so exactly yeah well okay so long story short i decided to order uber eats for lunch because i was feeling a little bit fragile i was like i'm gonna treat myself to some cookies and then it was um an hour and a half late and there were no cookies in the order and then i cried because <laughs> that is a reasonable reaction no so, yes. it is everything's a yeah. reasonable reaction lockdown hannah don't <laughs> yes. you don't you doubt that Thank you. We got you back. Support. We got you back. <laughs> yeah, so Subway We're is all listening. Doing the right yeah, I'm trying to do the right thing and I, I get no cookies. But anyway, um, I've been reading um, not heaps because I've been watching a lot of Love Island, but I do want to talk about two books. Um, one I on the weekend called You and Me on Vacation by Emily Henry. So this one's been quite popular at the moment. Emily Henry is like, 
quite well known in the romance circles. She's only, the book she released before this one was called Beach Read. And that one's really popular. I've recommended that one to absolutely everybody. Um, you and Me on Vacation is her latest. It has a beautiful cover. It's also known by um, People We Meet on Vacation, which is the US version. Um, so the basic premise is that um, there are two best friends, Poppy and Alex, and Poppy is a travel writer. And every year for the past 12 years, she and her best friend Alex have been taking a vacation together during the summer. So they've gone to like all these different cities in the US and then they, um, once she starts writing for this like really fancy travel magazine, they pay for them to like go overseas to go to like fancy places like Croatia and all that. Um, so the, like, it is a romance. So it's, it's not very hard to like figure out what's going to happen, but the way it leads up to Poppy and Alex kind of discovering that their feelings towards each other are maybe a little bit not completely friendly and platonic. Um, there's like, it, it kind of goes through like um, 10 summers ago, nine summers ago, eight summers ago. And you can see like the gradual progression of their feelings for each other grow. Um, and in the beginning, Poppy like reveals that she and Alex haven't spoken for two years because of something that happened in Croatia. So you spend the entire book trying to figure out like, okay, what went down in Croatia? I'm sure like it probably wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, they're not friends anymore. So they decide to take one more vacation together in like an effort to patch up their friendship. Um, yeah, that's kind of the basic premise of the book. I thought it was very sweet. Um, I am deeply obsessed with Emily Henry at the moment. I follow her on Instagram and she's so funny and her writing is so witty. It's so like, so obviously comes through in her writing that she's a very funny person. So Emily, if you're listening, um, please contact me. Um, and yeah, I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough, actually. Um, I know a few people in the office have read it as well and I'm still like kind of on a warpath to convince everybody to read it. So everyone, please do. Yeah, love that's it. that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other book I want to talk about, I'm trying to like expand my reading taste and I've been wanting to read this book for ages because I thought it was a really cool, like right up my alley kind of premise. Um, it's a science fiction book and it's called Winter's Orbit by Everina Maxwell. Um, another beautiful, stunning cover and another beautiful, stunning book. So um, I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but the basic premise is that there's this guy called Kiem um, and he is like a prince um, of the emperor of this like galactic empire. Um, and he's called into the emperor's like rooms one day, which is his grandmother. And she tells him that he has to marry his cousin's widower because of like, they need to forge a political alliance and like keep the stability of the empire stable. Um, and Janan is the representative from one of the planets, Thea. Um, and his previous husband, um, Tam, was killed in like a spaceship flight. And they all thought it was an accident, um, but then it comes out that it was actually like, um, he was murdered because he was caught up in some like dodgy dealings. So it's, a very, um, a very cool premise. I feel I'm like a sucker for like a, an arranged kind of marriage turned romance. Um, so there's like in a few of the reviews, there's kind of this debate going on over whether it's like a 
sci-fi with a romance or if it's a sci-fi romance but I'm pretty like it's quite light on the romance and then I got really into it just because of how cool the setup is um, the writing is amazing I, I think this is one of the authors I think it might be her debut um, but it's incredible the writing's really good really funny romance is very sweet and well developed um, there's this like classic trope in romance which is there was only one bed but in this there was only one tent because they get like <laughs> they get in a spaceship crash and then they have to like trek over the mountains to like get into contact with civilization and they obviously only have one tent so things go down um i'll just leave that there for you guys but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm keen sign me up <laughs> i feel like we're all just leaning into our cameras going tell me more tell me, <laughs> tell more. me more about this tent. tell me more about this tent this single tent <laughs> and all the things that go on in there oh my goodness um, send me that book now booktopia <laughs> What happens in the tent stays in the tent. I'm in lockdown. I need yeah. some spice in my life. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. Um, I couldn't recommend highly enough. I'm like, and now that I've read this, I'm kind of on a bit of a path to like read more sci-fi. And I think I could even do it even without the romance. So this is a big step for me. And I think I'm really growing as a reader. I love it. That's How great. Me. Yeah. <laughs> It's always great when you have that one book that just suddenly makes you have an appreciation for a whole new genre that you did that for a genre that you didn't have before. And then suddenly you're hooked. Yeah. You All I want to do is read about like space. Is that too much to ask for? <laughs> no. With your cooking setup, you do it. Introduce you to Mark. He'll be like, oh, another person to read sci-fi. Yeah. I was going to ask him for some recommendations. So yeah, Mark, I'm going to hit you up after this. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Hannah. I love those recommendations. Thank you all. These these books have been fantastic uh, this week, and um, it's it's always great to hear about fantastic new books that are coming out. All right, we are down to the final part of the podcast, and you know what that means. It is time to go head to head in what in book fight expert edition. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I've I've psyched you all out. Um, We're just don't gonna worry, be silent be, for the whole thing. No, it'll be, no, no, don't worry. It'll be fun. I've got I've I've decided I've mixed things up a bit. It's not just going to be a crime focused one like it was last time. Um, but the questions will be a little bit more difficult than usual. However, there are a lot of points up for grabs. I think a number the number I counted was just shy of thirty points potentially could be up for grabs. Oh, I'm genuine. Cool. No, no, no. Don't worry. It's not like thirty questions. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit you with thirty questions. But I'd be uh, fine with that. So, but I'll grab a buzzer from every single one of you right now, and I will oh, throw dear. to our guest first, Danny. What shall you? Oh speak? dear, um, chocolate. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I forget my buzzer every time. Remember? <laughs> it's guys. okay. Every yes. time I'm like, "What's my buzzer again?" <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, what shall yours be? Um, winter. I love it. I thought yours was going to be cookie. Oh. I thought, yeah, I thought it was going to be cookie. That's you know what? With chocolate. No, no, swap it over. We're going cookie. We're going cookie. Chocolate, <laughs> chocolate cookie. cookie. I'm Come sensing. On, Don't let the team food. down, Liv. Don't let the team I'm down. I'm sensing there's a comfort food theme coming out here, Liv. Are you going to follow it? None. None. <laughs> None. After the nun book, Matrix. Oh. <laughs> Matrix. <laughs> Such a weird buzzer. None. 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 Like N U N or N O N E? N U N. You were like refusing to answer. None. None. Nil. No, I'm not going to provide a buzzer. Just none. No buzzer. 
Oh, let's, let's get this over with. Okay. A million right. points up for grabs, guys. Come on, let's 30, 30 points are up for grabs. Don't freak out. It'll be okay. I know I'm you guys freaking. are all amazing at this. We're, we're here to have fun. Let's play Book Fight. Question one. What year did the, Ma did the Booker Prize change its name to the Man Booker Prize? None. none. Yes, none I've got idea. a none. <laughs> Was it 2018? No, no, it is not 2018. Chocolate, I'm just going to go 2016. Yes. N no, it is not 2016 either. You guys are too close. None. Go. F yep. 2017. No, it is Cookies. not 2017. Yes. Well, it happened not long after 20, I started at Booktopia. 2019? No, it's not 2019 either. 2012 then. You are moving in the right direction. You are yeah, I, the, the number that I have actually is much further back. The, 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 the just name keep saying random Cookie. numbers, guys. 2010. No, it's not 2010. It is not 2010. What happened while I was at Booktopia, which I started in 2017? How can it be earlier than that? Time is a myth. 2002. The answer is 2002. Did you just look it up, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> It's 2002 yes. is the answer that I have here. Was that? Was no. What I'm thinking of is, I'm thinking <laughs> the opposite. I can't believe I no. just guessed that. I'm yes, it's 2002 is the correct so answer. It's been revealed that Liv has been working at Booktopia since 2002. <laughs> she was. She was, <laughs> I was in year two. She was literally born when she worked. At I was seven years old. Great. She created Booktopia. <laughs> How many points did I get for that epic guess, Nick? You get you get one point for that, but there is a bonus point on offer, which was going to be mentioned before you guys launched into the uh, into guessing, which was. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'll provide you with a bonus point if you can tell me which book won that year. Oh, two. <laughs> and Come and on, the clue was is, seven. Is, I was the eight. The clue is, it is a horrendously famous book. It is a really okay, famous Okay, we need more book. hints than that. More hints than famous. It's been adapted to film, Ooh. and it was described mm. when it was adapted to film as being a, a, being a book that would be impossible to adapt for, to film. Oh. Still don't know, but it sounds cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one point to you, Danny. You did get 2002, yes. so you're on the board. Can you give us another hint? I've, I'm terrified that if I give... All right, this hint will give the answer away. We like that. Yeah. <laughs> the director of said film was Ang Lee. Oh, Cookie. None. Cookie? Is it the Brokeback Mountain? It is not Brokeback Mountain. <gasps> I love Brokeback Mountain. Great, isn't it? great film. It's not Brokeback Mountain. Did they direct Brokeback Mountain? They, uh, yes, Ang Lee did direct Brokeback Mountain. God, I'm smart. I should get a point to smart. Yeah, you should. Yeah, what? Give her a point. I'm oh, sorry, I got a none. Was it the shipping news? Any proof? No, it is not the shipping news. Oh, you thought that would give it away, Nick. Turns wow, I'm, su I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. No, it's not. Sorry, did, did I just hear a cookie from Hannah or was that? No, I was just muttering to myself. Uh, Danny, would you like to have a guess? No. Okay. No. Nope. <laughs> All good. The answer I was looking for was Yan Martel's Life of Pi. Oh, <gasps> Life of Pi. Life of Pi was the 2002 winner of the Man Booker Prize. Wow, that's cool. I mean, yeah, it's a famous book, but is it as famous as you were making out? I no. don't think so. Oh, come on. You, you <laughs> he let us down the garden path, Hannah. He did. Controversial, controversial opinions. That's question <laughs> yeah. one, guys. We're off to a flyer. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Question two. Which American classic was published in Swedish with the translated title, A Man Without Scruples? Very, very famous American uh, classic. Uh, chocolate. No, yes. I'm going to be so wrong. No, I retract my statement. Come on, have a crack. No. You might get it. I've, <laughs> ma I've made this mistake before where I, where I, I retracted it. I really want to retract because I had nothing. I thought I had something and then it just it went. Yes, none. Is it the Great Gatsby? It, it is the Great Gatsby. Oh, Correct. Oh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yep, it is you F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yes, I saw it. I saw it. You weren't looking. It was, it was it's F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. Well done. Was the answer. Good job. Question three. Jane Austen published four books during her lifetime. None. Okay. <laughs> That's not the question. Like, whatever. Do you, you want me to finish the question? Or? Yeah, finish the question. <laughs> so, yes, Jane Austen published four books during her lifetime. For one point each, what were the three books that were published posthumously? None. <laughs> no, there was not none. There was three. <laughs> Obviously. Um, it was Persuasion. Persuasion is one. Oh, God, what's the other one? I, this was a question last week. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, Lady Susan. Lady Susan is another. Yes. Oh shivers! What's the last one? Is it Mansfield <laughs> Park? Oh no, it is not Mansfield Park. That's a Bronte book. Mm. No, it's the one they talk about in um, that Pride and Prejudice YouTube series. But this, it's a spin-off. <laughs> is it in your? Is it, is it on your book? Wait, are you list? talking about um, Sanderton? No, I'm yeah. not talking about Sanderson. No. Northanger Abbey. Northanger oh, Abbey is the last well. one. Northanger Abbey is the This is so embarrassing to me. This was a question last, like, a couple of weeks ago when I... <laughs> and it completely went out of my head. Yes. No, that is the correct... Those are, in fact, the correct well answers. Northanger Abbey, Persuasion and Lady Susan. Well done, Liv. Well, very well done. Three points to you. Question four. And this is one for any comic book lovers out there. All right. So this is going to be okay. No, no, don't, 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 don't give me that look because it's a uh, this one. I reckon you'll love. In both the Marvel Cinematic Universe and in literature surrounding Germanic mythology, the legendary god of thunder, Thor, uses his hammer Mjolnir in battle. For two points, spell Mjolnir for me. Cookie. None. Cookie. I have a cookie. Yes. M J N O L R. No, you started all right, but then you lost it. None. None. M-J-O-L-N-E-R. Mm -hmm. -E oh, you are so close, but no. You're, so, you're, you're one letter off. You're I'll have a crack. Off. I'll have a crack. Yep. Chocolate. Um, we'll say the word again. Milnir. Milnir. Must be M-J. Liv, go Liv is extremely said. close. She is one letter off. M-J-O-L-N-I-R. Yes, that yes. is the correct spelling. Yeah. She <laughs> it Thanks, was, guys. You put an E, out. not an I. Sorry, Liz. Could have done it without you guys. What is this? A spelling bee? Yes, I know. Yes. I knew. You, I knew you were going to be like spelling bee. What is spelling this? Champion. I love spelling. I would happily go on a spelling bee. We should do that for our eight-hour live stream. Yes, we should. God, we're really onto something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question five. We are nearing the halfway point of book fight right now, of book, book fight experts edition. I can tell you guys are weary already. Don't worry. There are plenty of, 
there are plenty of more points to be made. There are over 30 points to collect, so don't worry. Considering we've guessed most of our answers, I'm not feeling very expert. You've been doing well. You've been doing well. Currently, Danny, you are on three points. Hannah is, is yet to score. Olivia is yeah. on four. Don't worry. You had your cookies, though. You would have been able to. Exactly. My blood sugar level. I am low. <laughs> Question five. For three, for three points, and please don't shout all at once because my ears might be, might be about Ooh. to take a drubbing. Name every book Sally Rooney has ever published. Cookie. I think I heard a cookie first. You I sure did. No, you had no chance. Conversations with friends. Conversations with friends. Normal people. Normal people. Beautiful world, where are you? Beautiful world, where are you? Beautiful. Is the correct answers I was looking for. I'm sorry I heard a cookie first before I heard a nun. <laughs> Liv's hmm. back. She's back. <laughs> she, Liv is back. Yes, there she is. No, 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 no. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. Bring it back. Come on. You killed it with Jane Austen. You've got this. Yeah. Did I did not kill it with Jane Austen. That I was just looking at my shelf at that point. You did a very good job. The I burning knew. rage. The and with rage one, and eyes, suddenly though. with that one response, Hannah is back in the game. Yes. She's back, She's back baby. Cookie monster. All right. <laughs> this is going to be a very tough question. Question six. William Shakespeare's plays are best Ooh. known for being performed at the legendary outdoor theater known as the Globe. However, during the winter, they also performed at an indoor theater. For three points, name that indoor theater. I'm ashamed that I don't know this. I thought ashamed. the question, I thought the answer None. was gonna be the Globe. None? Mm-hmm. <laughs> was it the Rose Theater? No, I don't have the Rose Theatre here as the answer. I will give you guys a clue. It is named after a, well, it's, the name of it is taken from the area in which it is set, uh, is set within London. So it's a famous place in London. Um, oh, Cookie? No, yes? this is so, like Clapham? Clapham? No, <laughs> it's not Clapham. <laughs> give me a um, uh, Danny, would you like to have a go? I would love to know this, and I'm ashamed I don't know it. <laughs> That's okay. I didn't know it. Okay, <laughs> well, so we give up? Buckingham yeah. Palace? <laughs> it's not Buckingham <laughs> Palace. Oxford. Oxford <laughs> Theatre. Um, so the answer is the Blackfriars is the name Ooh. of the theatre. Oh, that theater. actually does sound familiar. The Bla- yeah, and uh, it is known as the, it was the indoor theatre that they played at. It was a lot smaller than the Globe, but it gave them the opportunity to to try out a whole bunch of new plays and one play which is one of Shakespeare's most famous lost plays was performed specifically in this space and it's called Cardinio mm. the name of that lost play so the Blackfriars cool. was their indoor theatre where Love they played it. question seven we've got two more questions after this for two points name both the titles in the Cyrus Hayden series cookie cookie we have a cookie yes She's frozen. Sorry, you froze there for a second. I'll get, good, I'll girl, get... good girl, bad girl? Yes, good girl, when, bad girl is one. And when she was good? And when she was good is the other. Oh, Very well done. Back in the game. Back That's in the game, exciting. not just back in the game. She's ahead now on oh. five points currently. Olivia oh. is on four. Danny is on three. Oh. Don't worry. It's okay. You have time. You have time to come back. These last two that questions. Last <laughs> these last two questions, anyone can still win. This might point fun. out. When you're winning, it's fun. Yeah, yeah no, when you're winning. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm sorry, I feel like everyone's going to like go and have like, go and have a, a, a strong drink after the end of this That's particular right. book. Question eight. 
our penultimate question of the game. For two points, name the winner of the title of the 2021 CBCA Award for New Illustrator. None. None. We have a none. The New Illustrator, it was Zeno Swarder for this small blue dot. And you would be absolutely correct. Zeno Swarder for this small well blue dot. A beautiful I love that book. book. One of the most I beautiful kids' books I've recently had the pleasure of, of checking out. Highly yeah. recommended. Go check out this book. It is beautiful. Finally, we come to question nine. There are eight points up for grabs in what? this game, in this last question. And eight I, points. Eight points. So for this one, I am going to su suspend the buzzer. Okay. I want what? you to shout it out. Mm. Okay. One of those ones. It's one of those ones. <laughs> so currently, Liv is on six points. Hannah is on five points. Danny is on three points. All of you can still win. Question nine. Who were the winners of the Ned Kelly Awards? And bonus points if you can tell me which books each title won. Uh, chocolate. Oh, no. Consolation. Oh. Lorraine, okay, we have Consolation, which <laughs> is one. The second son, Lorraine Peck. I just talked about these. We're not getting any of them. We're getting any of them. Docking Whoa, this just went so fast and I just got a wall of noise at me. Sorry, which we begin at the end, Chris Whitaker. Yes, that was yeah. one. I have that there. We begin at the end. And Silk we have... King Claremont. Yes. And Consolation by Gary Disher, which won the best crime fiction. Yes. Stop best crime what's... fiction. Best true crime fiction was Stalking Claremont. Yes. Very and good. Then, um, yeah. Wait, I thought we were shouting out answers. <laughs> we were shouting out answers, but, the, but I just got a wall of stuff, so I don't know who got what. Okay, so currently... I got four points there, okay? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got We Begin at the End. Okay, so you so we have We Begin at the End. We have The Second Son. Um, I think we have got that one. Stalking Claremont, and, which is where ha uh, Hannah mentioned Best True Crime, which she got as well. We have Consolation by Gary Disher. So what I haven't heard is the best cr who won Best Crime Fiction, who won Best Told Debut you, Crime Gary Fiction. Gary Disher. Gary, okay. <laughs> oh, gee. <geez. laughs> Told you. <laughs> Good luck <laughs> picking these awards. And um, Lorraine Peck won Best Debut Crime I said that. You can't do that. <laughs> I think it's a three-way tie, guys. That was amazing. <laughs> I think where we were at, what, I, what I've got listed here is I have Hannah and Olivia both on 10 points and Danny on three. I didn't hear anyone else's responses. Oh, come on, man. I got one. Danny All definitely right. got the we begin at the end. Whatever. Thank you. Thank you, yes. Hannah. Cookie. Home. What I'm thinking of doing, I might just kind of, I'll find us a, one last question to, to, to tie break this because I just heard everyone say the answers all at once. So I'm going to find a tiebreaker for this. Okay. To be fair, I'm still only on four points. I don't really think I should be part of a tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> Nick comes in with like, and for 15 points. <laughs> 47 points. <laughs> I think, I think I've now officially reached the, the limit of, uh, of suspend the idea of suspending the buzzer. So this is a note for future, for future, for future <laughs> yeah. podcasts. We're back it's on buzzer. <laughs> it's hard to do when you're in podcasts, like when you're all remote, I think. It is, yes, it is. Yeah. It is a very hard thing to do when you when you are you can't. Okay. <clears throat> okay, hang on. One last question is coming up. We're just having. We're just. I'm just consulting with the little elves behind the scenes to give me. <laughs> so this is a buzzer a final question? question. Liv is livid. <laughs> I yeah. can see. <laughs> Look at that rage. 
she love is, lives right. She is, I'm she, smiling. I'm happy. I'm going to take a nice You're grimacing. <laughs> the love lives right. She's what makes her win. Can we hurry this up? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then she's drinking water. I'm okay. grimacing because my bladder is under stress. <laughs> Okay, so we have a whole bunch. I, I was not sure who was able to win that last one. So the, the tie-breaking question right now is name the August pick for Reese's Book Club. Cookie. Cookie. We Were Never Here. We Were Never Here is Cookie. the correct answer by Andrea Bartz. Well done. You'll be forever known as Cookie now, I think. Yeah, I, think Hannah's gonna be I like that a lot. Cookie. I think it suits you, Hannah. It's Cookie. Sweet. Thank yeah. you. Well done. Oh my goodness. That was an incredibly intense round of book fight. That um, was fun. And that I'm brings sweating. us to <laughs> that brings us to the very end of the round. Um, the scores, I don't really think they matter because everyone got extremely close at the end, but Hannah emerged as the final winner. Victorious one cookie. You didn't get well your done, cookies, Hannah. but you won this. That really made up for it, actually. I feel a lot better. And thanks for letting me have that. We did guy. not let you. I was hopeless today, so it was all you. I'm too embarrassed about Jane Austen to like. But you got it. You did a really good job. You got talking? it though. No, I got it, but I forgot it. Even though it was a question that I set like a week or so ago. None well, of us are perfect, T. Liv. None of us. Well, Imagine how good we would be on a trivia team. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, on that bombshell, after a very intense, good 20, 25 minutes of book fight, I think that'll bring us to the end of the weekend Booktopian for another week. Um, thank you to all of my guests for joining us. And please be sure to check out all of the books we've mentioned today down in the description box as well. Thank you once again to Danny for joining us. Please go and check out the Words and Nerds podcast, which will also be linked down in the description box. Danny, it's a pleasure having you on once again, and you are welcome back anytime. Oh, good, because the pleasure's all mine. I have a blast with you. Guys, love your work. Thank you for having me back. It's an absolute pleasure having you. The Weekend Booktopian was produced by myself, Nick Musilev, and you can check out hundreds of episodes on our Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud channels, including our recent interview with Sarah Bailey, author of The Housemate. Also, be sure to check out Booktopia TV on YouTube, or if you cannot get enough of chatting to authors, head to the Booktopian blog, curated by Olivia Frico, where you can read the articles that are pushed every single day, including our selection of the most anticipated kid books, kids' books still to come in 2021. Thanks for listening, and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au